Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Way back in episode 40 of Vision on Sound, I was joined by one of our returning irregulars, our Canadian correspondent, Rick Lawler, who suggested that he might want to talk a little about his memories of the various sitcoms he grew up watching when he was living and growing up in England. And during that happy hour, we rambled through the incredibly long list he'd written and just about managed to reach the end of the 1970s. You may recall that at the time I invited him to come back and continue the journey on another edition. And because lives get busy and the small real-life comedies, because you have to laugh, don't you, otherwise, get in the way, it's taken us until now to get the international time shifts and schedules to align and get all of the other complications of life set aside, and we finally managed to find the opportunity to pick up from more or less where we left off. Which means, whilst we're not exactly going to do a previously on flashback sequence, I ought to point out that we travelled happily along from the Likely Lads via Dad's Army and Faulty Towers to To The Manor Born. You can still listen to episode 40, by the way, by simply heading over to anchor.fm slash visiononsound, which is, of course, the usual place where you find all of our episodes after the live broadcast is over. So today we're going to pick up where we left off and dive into those grey-shirted, red-braced, filofax-bursting years that were the 1980s and let Rick talk about what he remembers of the sitcoms made during that difficult decade. Your own memories may be different, of course, and we'd love to have you aboard to discuss those sometime if you'd like to. Before we briefly whip through some of his highlights from the 1990s. So yes, indeed, this is going to be something of a whistle-stop time trip through those two decades, so hang on tight as we kick up the Fab International TARDIS time engines and travel back to a time when even I was wearing the mandatory tie and blazer that Bash Street insisted upon. Hello again, Rick. How are you? I am great, thank you, Martin. It's good to uh, good to hear you, and uh, it's lovely to be back again from all across the world. Have you have you uh, listened to any of the shows recently? Uh, yes, uh, I've been. I was listening to one just yesterday. Oh, in fact, uh, it was the one about uh, it, the Shayetti about being a fan. Ah. That was the one I was listening to yesterday. Oh, so our international reach is still working. That's always good. It might take us half an hour to connect to each other, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't don't tend to listen to them in order. Oh, quite right, I too. tend to just pick I, I pick and choose. I think, oh, that looks interesting. I'll go with that one. Eclectic. We're now, uh, by the time this goes out, we'll be o- over 12 months of doing this nonsense. Which is, is surprising oh, wow. to that's, me, you and everybody. That's great. Oh, thank, thanks to people like yourself, actually, turning up... <laughs> And having, well, I'm happy to be here. Yes. So we, tonight, we, I thought today we would uh, return to uh, your previous appearance, uh, where we were talking about the sitcoms of the seventies, and you had a long list that we we ran out of time to talk about. So we, we were on indeed. the cusp of the eighties. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I thought we might pick up from there, if that's all right with you. That's absolutely fine. I I have my long list in front Excellent. of me again. 
So uh, this is kind of portioned up into 80s, 90s and beyond. But the beyond is quite short. There's only seven in the beyond. You're going to become uh, a mini-series. So, uh, but I, th- I think combined, this is probably about the same amount as just the 70s was. Oh, there we go. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes today. So uh, I, I'm actually trying to remember. I feel Absolutely. I feel I should play on a cliffhanger or something. Where did we leave it? I think we left it at To the Manor Born or something. Did we? Well, let's have a quick look down my that list. That was one see that, if uh, that transcended the... Uh, it, it slipped from one decade it into the did. Next, so. It did. It, it, yes, it started in one and, and crossed over into the other. Well... Taking that into account, I was looking for one that uh, included the cast, one of the cast members. So I'm going to start with Ever Decreasing Circles, because, of course, it had Richard Bryars in it. And and Peter Egan and Penelope Wilton, I believe. That's right, yes. Uh, Along with uh, Howard and Hilda Ah. as, as regular guests. You know, Stanley Labor, Stanley Labor, who plays Howard. That's he's right, one of those yeah. actors. I've seen him in a number he of things. He turns up in loads of stuff. He's, a, he's, he's quite he a does. bad man in Flash Gordon, the movie. <laughs> yes, I think Briefly. I saw him just recently um, in Boom, which oh, I've been right. watching, uh, which I've been really enjoying watching um, on Brickbox, mm. which we recently got via a friend. Right. Um, and he plays a nasty villain oh, in crikey. that, which is quite different in his character. There were these um, actors who basically did the rounds of all the shows and then occasionally mm-hmm. one or two mm-hmm. of them would suddenly land apart like uh, Howard and become yeah. forever associated with that part. It was the lovely thing about the matching jumpers that I seem to recall most. Yes, the matching jumpers. And uh, to, to be honest, Howard and Hilda were just like neighbours we had <laughs> where we lived around the time that that programme was shown. Uh, we actually had neighbours that were like those two. It makes it true, it doesn't it? It makes it truthful. Really, quite funny for us to watch. Wow! And did you, yeah. from the, ever after, refer to them as Howard, Howard and Hilda? We, my father did. Ah, <laughs> not to their faces. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But uh, yes, he. I, I do remember him calling them that afterwards. But uh, yes, that was a popular show for us. Uh, you know, when I was family up, viewing. Uh, yeah. was, so, uh, what is it? What yes, is it about so. uh, ever decreasing circles that particularly appealed? Is, is it? I mean, do you, did you did you relate at all? I always thought that Martin, strange name, mm-hmm. <laughs> was a bit of a monster. <laughs> yeah, he he was in a way, but I mean, it's that little Britain I thing as well, isn't it? To a certain extent, yeah. You're wanting yeah, everything yeah. to stay I the mean, same forever. You know, it's uh, it was exactly uh, and and very obsessive as well, uh, and m- managing everything sort of minute into the most minute detail. Um, but it was very controlling character. Could you relate at all? And yet, mm, <laughs> no, not not particularly. You're not, you're not a big planner, but I. Th- I, I am actually, and I tend to be very, very organised with things, and I do tend to plan things. But I don't control people mm. in that in that in that sense, in that way. But I think, in some ways, despite all of his serious flaws, he was only trying to make, from his point of view, he was trying to make things better mm. for other Absolutely. people, and that that seemed to be. I mean, the, the, kind of his the relationship that you've got, I mean, you've got this sort of implied love triangle going on, haven't you? But actually, mm-hmm. the relationship yeah. at the centre, they are actually quite solid. She might be exasperated by him, but mm-hmm. it's a very solid 
relationship, isn't it, really, throughout, despite the, the incoming... Uh, and it plays a little bit on uh, the butterflies, the same dynamic of the butterflies to a certain extent, except that the, the neighbour is the threat, as it were. Mm. I don't know. I think, it's a, yeah. I think it's a strangely dark comedy, ever-decreasing circles. It is, it is. But in, it, there's another thing I've been watching recently, which um, I introduced my son to, um, is the British Empire. Oh, yeah. and, and, and in a similar kind of way... It's the characters are not dissimilar. Mm. He's very controlling. But he he likes to be very organised, mm. and he genuinely believes he is trying to make life better mm. for everyone around him. But he actually makes it worse, yeah. and it's very similar to the to the character in Ever Decreasing Circles, where he's trying to organise everybody because he wants to make life better for mm. them. But he's again making it worse. Mm. So it's very interesting how you've got two very different characters there. I think there's a lot of this idea of, of to a certain extent, middle-aged men finding life spiralling out of their control, and it's a way of putting mm. a lid on it. But I, do you think, because yeah. those two characters, are, I mean, Brutus was the 80s as well, wasn't it? So yeah. it, do we feel that's a reaction against 80s Britain, as it were? Because 80s Britain was that go-getting, you've got to be, you know... But everything's changing, industry's dying out, and everything. I know this is heavy <laughs> and heavy interpretation, mm. but but it's it's like, do you think there was a there was a kind of backlash for that coming out in in the comedy in the writing? I think I think there must have been in some ways because if you, if you remember the beginning of ever decreasing circles, um, it's kind of where you introduce what he does as a mm. job. Um, and he, you know, he works for Mole Valley Valves, mm. so a very kind of, you know, obviously some kind of. You, you never really. I don't think, or I don't remember there being any kind of great detail about exactly what mm. he does. Um, but you, I can imagine that uh, it's some kind of engineering, and it has to be very precise mm. and very precision to fit and, and to do whatever the valves do. I thought it was yeah, very so... also I, I do remember it that title sequence with the reverse the you know the the uh drip the, the drip ripple yeah. thing effect. Mm -hmm. I actually find that mm. a very it's a very elegant graphic solution to illustrate the title. It's a, it's a, it it's is. a very beautiful thing in terms of of design. Of a, of a title sequence, I'm, I'm quite a f obviously you know with what I've done in my life, I'm I'm quite fond of of television title sequences and and designs and things like that. But I I always was impressed by that purely as a as an elegant solution to the title. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. It, it it's it yeah, it really does sum up the whole thing in many mm. ways, very elegantly done <laughs> for a series that was actually. Not so elegant. Well, because anyway. it's it's frustrating. Is everybody is quite harmonious except for the Martin mm. character. Talk story of my life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he's quite a sad character in it too. Mm -hmm. I'm ticking boxes it, all it, over it, the place here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> it, it's almost like a self inflicted sad, mm. sadness. It's his perception because he doesn't join in, because they won't join in the way he mm. wants them to join in. And and the British was very much the same, along the same mm. lines. That's kind of an interesting theme that reoccurred there. I often wonder whether a lot of the, the, the comedy characters are 
are very much the are are they really stamping foot toddlers in many ways in in adult bodies? You know, mm. which always makes me think of Kirsty Olsop, But there we go. But um, you see, I I was reading something recently which was basically saying that when things are bad, comedy goes more towards yep. the absurd, and when things are mm. when things are or, or is it when things are good? And when thing, when you've got sort of totalitarian horrible people in charge satire people i don't they don't want a particular kind of comedy so comedy goes in these phases and and, mm-hmm. and this is the t- tail end of the domestic sitcom to a certain extent isn't it because yeah, we're sl- we're just in, we're just in, pre in only fools and horses here aren't we just on the brink of only fools and horses. Uh, no fools and horses well fools and horses came out in 81 right. so and it ran till forever 91 <laughs> Or yeah, it seemed seemed to run mm. forever. But it's just that, that that's um, that's also a domestic setup, but a completely different one. That's that's a sort of very very eighties thing. But but the ever decreasing circle is very much the middle class suburban sitcom, if you see what I mean. Mm. And it and I don't. Yeah. Of course, later on we got things like uh, my family and stuff. So that that's always been a staple. It's always been a cornerstone. But it's it seems to me to be a quite sort of dark take on it to a certain extent. It is, and, and, I'm, and I'm sort of looking through the list here, and, and there's another one that's standing mm. out for, for similar reasons. Sorry. Sorry. Where the mother was very controlled. Language, Timothy. Timoth- Timothy was trying to rebel against that controlling That's the uh, Ronnie Corbett vehicle, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But it, it, it's sort of, you know, you can see a connection there between that and the other two. Well, I can see a connection there almost with the controlling with, with, um, Steptoe. Oh, you that's know, 60s. Yeah, but I can see the connection with but, with uh, a person trapped in a familial situation and, mm-hmm. and struggling to break yeah. free from it, but always the the sort of boomerang or the the bungee rope, if you like, of the yeah. family and the parental commitment sort of draws them back into this. This web. I used to find Sorry a very difficult watch. Actually, it, it was it was too close to home in some way. I just yeah, I found it a very uncomfortable mm. show to watch. You know, you felt the frustration for the character in it, and you just felt like you know, you got to do something. <laughs> Stop giving in or do something. Fight back or, it is or interesting, something. Though, because yeah. when you it think about so... uh, Ronnie Barker's career, you know he'd had all these successful mm. sitcoms. You know, you know Ronnie mm-hmm. Corbett's career was slightly different. So finding an actual acting vehicle for him is quite quite the thing, really. And it was a, it was a you know, successful mm. show. Sorry, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just just strange at my neon titles. I seem to recall that always make me think of that's um, right. Yeah, like gaming. a neon sorry mm. flashing sign. Mm. There were seven series seven. Uh, with 40, 42 episodes in total. Crikey. So yeah, so it was quite a popular show. Uh, it ran from eighty one to eighty eight, so it was on for quite a long time. It's definitely the quintessential eighties sitcom. Certainly, <laughs> it qualifies big so. style. It completely completed yeah. its run within the eighties. It did. It did. Yeah. So moving. Uh, so we should perhaps move on a little mm-hmm. bit if we're going to get oh, through sorry. this list. <laughs> so uh, I'm just again. I'm sort of looking at ones and sort of picking mm. them at random, but there is a link to each of okay. these. So continuing with our uh, linking 70s to 80s characters is, uh, I was going to say, Yes Minister, and of course Yes Prime Minister, with uh, Paul Eddington Jim as, as, yes. as the link there. 
I, I love to those. Prime, uh, yes, Prime Minister. Yes, yes, Minister. Oh, I, my, it, me too. I have the box sets of both. The writing is just exquisite, really. It's, it's interesting oh, it, to it me really because I, I'm also a fan of The Thick of It later on, but The Thick of It is a completely different take on the same kind of I world, you know? haven't seen The Thick no. of It, but I found it on Britbox and I put it on my watch mm. list because I heard you guys talking mm. about it on your show no, and I thought, I, I have to try and watch this now. This sounds like something I want to see. So, um, yeah, I... I I'm, I'm going to be watching that based on oh, well, there we go. On, from the <laughs> Part show. of the service. But uh, getting back to exactly, you, uh, but, uh, this is, uh, was it Anthony Jay and Jonathan Lynn? Is that right? That's and right. Yes, uh, that's right. Um, uh, Nigel Hawthorne, a uh, Sohum Free Appleby. Yes. And, uh, all all who, gone who now. Just well. Bernard Woolley is um, Derek Folds, isn't it? Mr. Derek. Derek Folds. Mr. Derek from the. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, I think you have to be of a certain generation to know who Mr. Derrick is. The fascinating thing for me about uh, Yes Minister slash Yes Prime Minister is uh, Yes Prime Minister ran longer, didn't it? It had more uh, episodes. Um, I think was it two two series of Yes Minister and three of Yes Prime Minister, or was it? Or am I remembering Uh, the wrong way around? Two series, sixteen episodes Mm. of Yes Prime Ah, Minister. Ah, the way around. Yes. And Yes Minister was three series and 21 oh, episodes. And the Christmas special. So slightly more. Yes, of course there's Christmas specials involved. Which, in which is the one that sort of bridges the two, which is actually a bit mm-hmm. of a classic, quite frankly. Yes. Yes, I, I did. Uh, I, I say I've watched that many times. I have the box sets of those and, and they're just so wonderful to watch. The, the dialogue, the interaction, it's just... I think one of the um, things they prove uh, is that things never change. Well, I mean, you actually worked in uh, in government circles, didn't you, for a while? I did. Uh, did you... Uh, about 13 years. Was yes. there an essential truth to it? <laughs> oh, yes. Very much so. Uh, but you didn't get your uh, knighthood. They make it... Uh, no, well, I think I think in the series they actually make it nicer and friendlier than the ah, reality is, but... Uh, it it is like that in the terms of frustratingly trying to make anything happen or happen quickly or or uh, there are always a million reasons that make no sense because they're all long words, rather like uh, Humphrey Appleby would uh, use to 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 get out of a situation, often used to block things was. Uh, fairly common we are still boggled by ideas i mean that, that cropped up in those shows they still seem mm. to bother the daily mail over here and um they you know, do the, the, they do these notions of the euro sausage I, I i actually think that some of the things that people have in their heads are things that they heard mm-hmm. about on on yes minister 30 40 years ago and they think they were oh, true I think they are <laughs> yeah I remember reading, and I don't know if this story is actually true or not, but I do remember reading some years ago that politicians in Australia used to think that, or thought that Yes Minister was a documentary based. (laughs) They may have a point, actually. And they thought that that's how government was run. And now I don't know if there's any actual truth in that, but that's what I remember reading about that and, and laughing. I've, at it. I've talked on other shows about uh, everything I know about American politics I learned from the West Wing. So I suspect that everything I, I know about British politics I probably picked up from Yes Minister, to be honest. And, and again, a, a nice long Humphreyism uh, explaining mm. how things work is actually... Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much what we believe government is like. Although I suspect, again, it's it's it's. 
I feel that, should we say, recent events may have uh, pushed that envelope a bit, uh, possibly, oh, possibly not so. in a good way. The other fascinating thing to me, of course, it's it was that woman's favourite show, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yes, I believe it was. Uh, which is uh, which makes I don't know whether you, I feel I want to I want to move in those circles sometimes. I do. <laughs> mm, no, I do know what you mean. <laughs> and who I mean? Yes. Yes, exactly. So let's have a look. What else do we have on the list? Oh, there's a real good mixture on here. Um, it was a I'm rich pick time this one next. for comedy, wasn't it, the 80s? It, it, really it was, was yes. yes. I'm going to pick this one next mainly because they've been rerunning it okay. here, which was somewhat surprising. Um, a Fine Romance. Oh, okay. Dame Judi Dench. Yeah. And, Michael uh, Williams? I'm trying to remember... Mm-hmm. Michael Williams, yes, I could remember the Michael. I forgot the Williams part there for a moment. I always, I always yes, get it mixed Williams. up with the other one. Was it as time goes? No, what was the one? Anyway, later. Mm. As time goes like, by, yeah, yes. I, I always get it mixed up. Basically, it's Judy. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, yes, I, I did enjoy that mm-hmm. series. But I kind of felt that they, they left it, it felt like, well, what happens mm. next? It's one of those where it was only four series mm. long and, you know, they sort of, they kind of get engaged at the mm. end of series four, but it, and then it just stops. Okay. It's like, well, hang on. Do they ever get married? Does that ever actually happen? Uh, Based on the fact that the whole relationship throughout the whole four series was on off constantly. There's probably a lot um, of fan fiction you, you out just, there that, that continues the you story. You just think, well, whatever happened to the story on that? It's like, they never followed it through. It's it's a little frustrating that one in Do many you ways. Think that eighties comedy. I I find that eighties comedy is less appalling to watch in terms of being difficult to watch than than seventies comedy. I feel that oh, there definitely. was because there was a reaction. I mean, we had at that point we had uh, the new mm-hmm. the new wave of comedy. You know the. Um, Alternative comedy. Like the young ones, which I was... Which is yeah, well, list, but yeah. alternative comedy was basically taking yeah. things like Terry and June and mocking it, mocking it to death. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was kind of like the writers who were still writing in the sitcom arena, in the sitcom area, were actually being clever. But there's a lot less nasty comedy, I think, in, in the 80s yeah. the 70s, or, or stuff mm-hmm. where somebody is put down simply because of you know, race, gender, whatever. You know, I feel that yeah. uh, to a certain extent... Do, I mean, across the board, would you say that the, the female roles in 80s comedy are better? Or are, do you, are they still very much... Is it still very much the domestic, the housewife, the... Uh, you know? No, I think... I think um... There are some like that, mm. like ever decreasing mm. circles. Um, however, you know there, but there were other ones. I'm just things are moving for, on. Um, yeah, an example like Birds of a Feather, mm. which was uh, basically an all-female cast, yes. more more or mm. less. I mean, I know there were uh, male characters, but they were it, the female characters in mm-hmm. it were the strong characters. Did it? Did that one? Is that one that Channel hopped? Was it one of I'm those ones sure. that was made on on one channel it, it's first? It's possible. I mean, it it did run from eighty nine right. to ninety eight, okay. and there were twelve series, oh, like one hundred and twenty nine episodes. So it's quite possible it may have been. Pauline Quirk. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And uh, Linda Robson. Is it Linda Robson? Robson. Yeah. 
Robson. I was. I always. I'm starting Robson. to think Robson and Green now, which is just my brain making a, a strange. Yeah, I was going <laughs> the same place. But uh, th- th- funnily enough, I w- I saw a very young Pauline Quirk in an episode of the Tomorrow People recently. <laughs> oh really? So there was this thing in the seventies. Uh, the Thames had a sort of quite strong relationship with the Anna Share mm-hmm. acting school. And a lot of their alumni started off on Thames shows, but then Thames picked them up and started doing ensemble comedy skit shows, if you like, things like uh, yeah. You Must Be Joking and Pauline's Quirks. So Pauline, Pauline oh, Quirk actually Pauline's started Quirks. out as a, as a kind of child uh, pro- uh, prodigy, yeah. I suppose, and then Ooh. later on had this remarkable acting career. Yeah. I think she's even in Broadchurch, but we don't talk about Broadchurch. <laughs> No, it's not a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> no, sorry, go on. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just sort of um, scanning mm-hmm. through this. Uh, There's the some that uh, I've got some here that are household names. Um, and I've got some here that y- you might not even remember. Okay. So um, let's have a look. Uh, I, I, you know, household name ones here, that uh, Red Dwarf. Ah. I've got to kind of include Red Dwarf. I am a huge Red Dwarf mm-hmm. fan, as as is my son mm-hmm. as well. And uh, yeah, we're still watching those I today. Think they're still making them, in, uh, and still still occasionally. They yep, still crop yep. up from time to time on some obscure channel I probably can't see, but uh, they do. They do seem uh, to occasionally. You get more dates, and I, I don't know whether whether they have to make a much bigger rubber head. For Robert Llewellyn every time or something, you know. But I, I do wonder how they get them to look the yeah. same after this amount of time. But yeah, a hugely fun, popular series mm-hmm. made on the sort of... I, I always wondered about Red Dwarf in a way because it's made on such a obvious low mm. budget with wobbly furniture and stuff. And, and I sometimes wonder whether they were influenced by the um, the, the somewhat... I almost hesitate to say this sort of cheaper effects that were in the earlier Doctor Who. I think it's just that that's what they could do. Doctor, you know, the the Red Dwarf yeah, series. Yeah. So these science fiction if... sitcoms have struggled. I mean, mm. Hitchhikers is there as this this, but it never. It was much more successful on the radio than it mm. ever was on yeah, the screen. But, but it's there, and it's kind of like mm. sort of. And so you think we're going to do science fiction comedy? Oh, we've got Red Dwarf. Right, we'll try that. Science fiction comedies like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was this this kind of special thing. But I mean, the actual TV version was only six of them, and like you say, the radio version was was so much better. So somebody, I think, trying to say, "Shall we do a science fiction sitcom?" must have been in a very because people are just going to go, "Oh, you mean like Hitchhiker's?" And you go, "No, no, it's different. It's different." But it actually, it, it's been. I say it's been. It, it's still going to a certain extent, but it, it was a very different take, and of course, very much from the the grungy end of <laughs> the you know the very low rent end of science fiction but the thing that fascinates mm. me a lot about it is that it was made yeah. i think certainly the early series were made at bbc manchester so and of course the, the now demolished bbc studios in manchester it's quite nostalgic when you see them in the corridors sometimes yeah because a lot of it was running around corridors oh absolutely certainly i mean the first couple of years i i, I did try and rewatch a couple of years ago and i found it a bit of a struggle but it, i think i think it tended to it got its it got its proper sort of legs about the third year didn't it, it really suddenly started yeah i think kind of, when they went see, to I think star bug. the um 
Yeah, I, I kind of felt sort of rewatching it from the beginning with my son. Mm. I, I found that uh, Robert Llewellyn wasn't in the first no, two or three series, yeah. and I think it didn't really become really funny mm. until he was in in the series because he has some of the some of the best lines mm. in it. Um, you know, particular particular favorite of mine is the. Um, one where Rimmer says, you know, we need to go to Red Alert. And he says, you do realize that does mean changing the bulb. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line because it's a blue bulb. And uh, they have to change it to the red bulb, <laughs> Red Alert, in Starbuck. And that, that's, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that they have to, uh, I think once you get that quartet together, the thing yeah. really, really takes off. And I think it's almost like the four facets. You needed the fussy, prissy one to sort of yeah. offset the other ones and, and they hadn't quite got that yet because because Rimmer was just annoying Dave was just annoying but in a different way <laughs> to a certain extent and mm -hmm. the cat was just annoying confusing <laughs> uh, well I, yeah I think I think before you know before Crichton came into mm. it I, I kind of found like yeah it was like Rimmer was the sort of fussy controlling mm. character again that we've kind of mm. brushed on bef you know with some of the other series yeah. and then you've got Dave which is like the complete opposite mm. and then you had Cat which was this strange character which I don't think right at the beginning I kind of felt like they weren't quite sure where they were going with mm. that character but once they got the four of them together the mm. chemistry worked so well between all four of them that's, that that's the, the characters it's the four the four points of the compass if you like it's it's, mm. it's like it's, you, you, you know you, you can't fake chemistry but when the chemistry works it really works very well indeed you know it's suddenly everything mm. gels together and it's tight and bang off you go you know yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I think once the four main characters came together, it really, really took off from that point yeah. as we a were series. big fans of Red Dwarf in the 90s, strangely. Mm -hmm. But what fascinated me was it was the, another generation were coming through and, and, and loving it. The kids in the house discovered it. And, you know, you had the yeah. old tapes by then that you could actually sort of buy the videos of it and things. So, mm -hmm. so you could earn many points by saying, oh, I've got a Red Dwarf video here. Hey! You know. So, yeah, it's a good yeah. thing, good thing. So I, I'm going to ask you a, a personal question here. What sort of age were you yeah. in the 80s? Mm. Well, it depends when in the 80s. Were these your 20s, give or take? Um, 15 to so. 25, something like that? Yeah, probably. Because um, I just yeah. think that influences the kind of telly you start to watch. It, I mean, it, were you it, still watching as a family in, at that sort of I age? Think, I think... Yeah, we were still watching as a family because I think, uh, well, in the 80s, the early 80s was sort of my teen years mm. and, and then sort of the, you know, the late, late 80s, 80s was, you know, when I was sort of 20 odd. Mm. So, um, yeah. Were you, uh, did you have a portable in your room or were you still a one screen family at that stage? Um, I did have a portable, mm. but I'm trying to remember when, probably not until... I don't know. I think I was probably about seventeen, right. maybe eighteen. Around I was just, age. I was just wondering, were you watching a lot of these shows on your own, or were you watching? What it just because some of them, some of them seem very family programs, and some of them seem very cult and BBC uh, Two and Late at Night. And I just wondered if the stuff you remember watching, whether you remembered watching it, you know, on small screens or bigger screens, or or collectively or individually. 
I think mostly it was family viewing, mm. but there were some shows which I think I was the only one in the house that would have watched. Right. In fact, one of them, which was a sitcom I really enjoyed, mm. but I really never really run across hardly anyone else who's ever seen it, is um, a sitcom called Watching. Watching. Granada. That's a Granada classic. <laughs> it is, but I so rarely come across anyone who's seen it. Right. I and I quite actually, liked it was, it was it was very gentle comedy uh, watching. And of course based around bird yeah. watching which always earned points with us. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, yeah, a, so a, a lovely double that. a double use of the word there. There we go. Yes, indeed. But that was a series I really quite enjoyed. Mm. Um, and, and there were seven series of that. So, I was going to say, yeah, I know, I know done, it seemed to be a right. staple of Sunday evenings for quite a long time. Mm. But... but I was the only one in the household who ever watched it. Wow. Nobody else liked that one except me. <laughs> now, did you have a lot of control over what was watched on, on, on your television? Not especially. I think that was a on the portable ah, right. okay. one. That particular one, um, and I'm just just looking through to see if there were any others that I remember watching, but I don't remember anybody else watching. Uh, Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Peter Davison. Yeah. And Robert yes, Glenister. And yeah. Robert Glenister. Yes. I don't think that ran for very long. Um, Two or three seasons. Oh, just yeah, just three three seasons of that. Yeah. Only nineteen episodes. Uh, but I do remember watching that one again. That was just just me watching that one. I think it was um, about the same time as uh, Peter Davison became Doctor Who. I think he was filming both at the hmm. same time uh, for a while. That's perhaps why that series discontinued because he took on the the, the Doctor Who role. Yeah, but I think he time. I think he also. But I think they were reunited in a Doctor Who story yeah. later on because Robert Glenister went on to greater glories mm -hmm. and things like Hustle later on and became yes. much more recognised actor. But uh, oh, back then he was he was like the the irritating younger brother. <laughs> yes, a role yeah. that a lot of us have been familiar with in our time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think sort of you know still still on the eighties here, but uh, one we really can't not include. Mm. It has to be the the Black Adders. The Black Adder. Such a significant part of my teenage years, I think, growing mm -hmm. up, because I think just about everybody I knew loved Blackadder. Mm. And I actually remember dressing up as characters uh, from Blackadder oh, right. for, for various different parties that we went to when I was at uh, college. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that became a very influential You were there in a, in a slinky codpiece. Uh, I remember being. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember which characters. I can remember being Macadder at one point. Ah. Um, I'm not sure about some of the other characters, I, but I do remember being Macadder. Were you were you were you drawn to the the main characters, or, or more of a Percy, or more of a Baldrick? <laughs> um, no, I think it was more the main character. I, I quite liked the, um, you know, the the. Guest characters mm. that occasionally came in. Um, I particularly like Flashheart. I think mm. Rick Mail's Flashheart. Uh, um, possibly his finest half hour, really, in many ways. Uh, Rick Mail's just, I love Rick Mail. He's just great. Mm. Uh, completely out of control, but uh, think, quite the wonderful. The fascinating thing about the 80s, really, is whilst we are at that stage, home video is becoming more widespread over the course of that decade it went from yeah. virtually nothing to to many 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 you know by the end of the 80s even i had a video machine you know what i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> but 
the other thing is that we still were in a limited channel environment. Again, this the, the satellites and the and the cable were. I think they started to creep in towards the end of it. So basically, when a show like Blackadder was on, literally mm -hmm. everybody was watching it, or at least everybody yeah. that you cared about or knew Pretty about. Much. You know who you were going to have a conversation yeah. with. Mm -hmm. So I think these things were the phenomenon of something like Blackadder yeah. is is you cannot underestimate the impact those catchphrases or what have you you know the fact that uh, the the ratings i think for goodbye the last one of uh, blackadder goes forth are just ridiculous you know, it was it was just so many people were watching it you know for a, basically what was a bbc sitcom yeah fascinating yeah, thing as it, well having the different setting in the different series as well the different time periods and the different characters mm. yeah that was kind of interesting too yeah, well, it stops it getting like stale, doesn't it? Sometimes. I mean, some shows do, you know, stick it around. It's like they were able to reinvent it each mm -hmm. time, but uh, along similar lines. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking in terms of timing, we should perhaps skip on to, I, I, I've got more from the 80s, but let, let's skip on to the 90s and beyond. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to, to get very many more in. So um, I'm just just I'm just going to try and pick out some of the particular favourites. Well, before you do that, you, can, you just give me the rest of your list from the eighties, and, and we'll um, okay. Just, the rest, just the so ones, we've covered them. the ones that we haven't talked about, mm -hmm. but that were on the list. I uh, just run through them, mm -hmm. kind of like a, a like a top forty list. Yeah, well, absolutely, sort of get your Alan so, Freeman's uh, on. So there's uh, hello, 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 uh, mm. bread, Heidi, high. No place like home. Crikey, yes. William Gould. Uh, brush strokes. Ah, yeah. Okay. Don't wait up. Don't wait. Up. Home to roost. Blimey. Did you Fresh ever go out fields. in the eighties? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Just good friends. Wow. The gaffer. Dear John. Wow. You must be the husband. Which was um, it was Tim Brooke Taylor. Tim Brooke Taylor, the late great. Yeah. Yeah. And lame lame ducks, lame Clarence ducks. and the magnificent Evans was lame the rest ducks of my is 80s actually list. a magnificent program. Weirdly, it is. It's just nobody. I don't think there's even you can barely find a clip of it online. I, I know. I just it's, remember it's a man walking along on a big ball. That's what I remember most about it. I remember people walking around a uh, sort of water mm. like a pond with ducks and things in it i, I just I, I liked it at the time but i don't remember much about it now i think the the one the one thing that that gets you about that mm -hmm. is that it's there is a reaction towards the end of the 80s against all the success and the yuppiedom isn't there and yeah. I f yeah sometimes you know this whole thing of the people who get left behind uh is, is a running theme but uh mm. very much there are people who can't can't rise to the giddy heights of wearing braces and making multi-million dollar deals every day and and they exactly. they are they are a part of society too so uh mm. it's like dear dear john the same thing really you know so you say yeah. the other one you mentioned was yeah. magnificent evans clarence and magnificent evans a, a couple of barker classics <laughs> yeah what do you think of late barker out of interest. Not as good as the early Barker. Oh, okay. I think things like Porridge was where he was really at the peak. Mm. Struggling to find a new thing that was quite as good, really, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's quite as yeah. uh, iconic, if you like. Yeah. So, the 90s. The 90s. Well, I'm just going to... Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a long list again, mm. so uh, I'm going to try and pick out particular favourites okay. of mine. Uh, so, I'm going to start with Father Ted. Ah, I loved Father Ted. Yeah. 
I was introduced to Father Ted on an allotment in Levenshoe, weirdly. Not not the not the actor, but just being ah. told that I should watch this. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, I particularly I I, I did love the uh, bizarreness of that, mm. uh, but also the, the the way it kind of. Uh, Really did no favours for the Catholic religion. Yeah. In in the way that I, I don't was, know. Uh, actually, I think in some ways it made it much more more, more popular, more trendy. You know, I know it was it was basically destabilising, but actually, you know, mm-hmm. the fact is that that if you would if you try if you tried it at any other time, it probably wouldn't have worked at all. But I mean, I mean, there have been no. religious sitcom. I mean, Derek Nimmo oh, yeah. and Arthur Lowe both sort of done yes. Bless Me, Father, and um, yes, of course, uh, what, what's it not. Pardon my what's it? What was it? The Nimmo one? Oh, oh brother. Uh, oh, 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 brother. Yes. Yes. But uh, I Nimmo. feel that of the religious sitcoms, my favourite by far is Father Ted, and I think they are iconic Absolutely. Uh, characters. Yes, quite, quite. Yeah. There are uh, unfortunate, uh, some people basically now, uh, unfortunately, there's an association with the writer, which is uh, people do find unfortunate these days. And yes. So it's, it's not talked about as much mm. in polite company, which is a shame no. because the actual show. The actual show, taking all that off-screen stuff aside, the actual show mm. is a phenomenon. Really. It it really is, yeah. And that that yeah, it's a sad shame that the the, the work that the actors who played those characters kind of gets pushed aside because of some of the stuff that's associated with the writers. And twenty years after the fact, of course, the other great yeah. tragedy of uh, Father Ted is, of course, uh, Dermot, isn't it? Uh, I think yeah. literally the day before. The final episode was broadcast, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a terrifyingly, terrifyingly young, but terrifyingly tragic. Mm. Because this, this mm-hmm. the Irish actor, he was on he was absolutely on the brink of some. You know, he, this popular show, Channel Four, just mm-hmm. was about to make his make him and gone. You know. Yeah. Ardlow Hanlon. How do you feel about Ardlow Hanlon? I, I thought he was great in Father Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him in other things, but the only thing I've seen him in that I thought he he kind of did well in was uh, Death in Paradise, Murder Island. Yes, yes, which uh, which my son and I quite enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we find really quite hilarious is the fact that uh, I know we're going a bit off track here, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's when they um, you know they start the show and then they show this grisly murder and somebody lying dead with blood on their hands or something and then it's cue the happy jollies oh music. the happy jollies yes, yes. it's like we just, just witnessed this horrible murder <laughs> and, and then it's cue the happy jolly music <laughs> somewhat insensitive <laughs> yeah I don't know but uh, yeah but a great great and show and of course uh, Danny John Jules was a, yes. a big cornerstone of that show as well Yes, of course. Yes. I just and, thought because uh, uh, Ardler Hannon has had other vehicles, including that one where he was a superhero. I always I felt just, that was I a I just bit feel weak, that in that some one. ways Dougal is his finest half hour again. Dougal was just genius. Mm. He was just brilliant. Quite I think brilliant. The, the writing is, is phenomenal in, in Father Ted. Yeah. And again, it's, a, it's yeah. another interesting quartet, isn't it, with, mm-hmm. with Father Jack. Father Jack. And yeah. uh, Mrs. Doyle. Mrs. Doyle. Mrs. Doyle, yes. Yeah, a fascinating character, especially as she frequently seemed to go through the window. <laughs> Somewhat bizarre. You couldn't yeah. get away with that nowadays, man. No. 
So yeah, that was a yeah a lovely you know fun series. Another particular favorite, mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm just just selecting here from my list is Spaced, Space. one of my all time favorite sitcoms. So little spaced, and yet it's so it's so only impactful. fourteen episodes, yeah. but absolute genius yeah. comedy, uh, just brilliantly done, brilliantly written, uh, brilliant characters. I just. Yeah, it it got me completely, you know, in in the Simon Pegg fan club forever after seeing that series. And uh, Jessica Stevenson, of course, also. Of course. So, so yes. the two leads writing this as well, really. You know, it's uh, yes, it, it yeah. is. It yeah. is very much a you know their project, uh, but but mm-hmm. it, it, again, so surreal, so way off the wall. Sometimes, you know, I mean, things yeah. like things like you know tires and things like that, but just. Mm. Uh, you can see. I mean, it, I suppose the 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 crime is that Jessica Stevenson hasn't had this huge Hollywood career as Simon Beck has. No, no, I often feel that too. I think she she deserved more from that because that, that was just. Uh, but I think one of the, the, the other fascinating thing me. about that is to, the fact is that you know that they are writing as fans of the kind of stuff you're a fan of. Exactly. And he's now gone on to be in those films. <laughs> I know. I know. That's just marvellous, like, isn't it? If, if you could write your dream life, you do. I mean, I'm sure he's not living a dream mm-hmm. life, really, but, you know, because everybody's life can be a bit horrible some days. But I suspect yeah. that Simon Pegg suddenly must wake up every so often pinching himself. <laughs> How oh, did yeah. that happen? I, I'm sure. It's funny, I watched yeah. uh, Star Trek Beyond last week because he co scripted mm-hmm. that. So, um, yeah. You know. Yeah, no. Say so that's a that's a great favorite, and I, I'm going to jump to one mm. now that again, um, not a lot of people seem to be familiar with. Uh, Mulberry. Mulberry. I don't know if you remember Mulberry. Now, is that Carl Hellman Hellman again? Yes, yes. Right. It's an interesting role because um, there was always supposed to have been a third series, and they never did it. Mm. Um, and and he plays the son of Death and Spring. Right. And he, he goes to work for the old lady, if you remember, um, that he's supposed to be preparing her for death. Oh, yeah. uh, but he gets so attached to her that uh, he, he keeps her living right. um, against the wishes of his somewhat sinister father right. character. But, um, yeah, that was I, I liked it. Very gentle series. Mm. Um, interesting, you know, very unusual thing to do a yeah, comedy about. Just... Uh, wh- um, when was that actually I think made? it was was made 92 to 93 right. i think in some ways it was it was too soon i think uh, if if they'd made it 10 years later it probably would have been more popular because it was just such an unusual concept that i don't think people were quite ready for that is there any reason particularly why the third series never got made is, is there any I sort don't, of don't about that that, that, that possibly there is, but I, I don't recall. I vaguely remember something about that uh, the where they wanted to take the storyline and where they did were two two different paths. Right. So I think there was possibly, but it it was written by Bob Larby and John uh, Esmond, uh, you know, who've had some superbly um, popular hits with The Good Life and Ever Decreasing Circles, for example. Um, so I'm I'm really surprised that it didn't. Do better than it did. It's it, again. It's it's one of those strange and peculiar things with uh, sitcoms. Some sort of get they get given two or three goes, and then finally they become popular. 
and some mm. are allowed to sort of die on the vine and, and fade away and, and can in many ways become quite forgotten about you know by a lot a large chunk of the yeah. population i think uh mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think sort of 92 93 is there any reason why you know changes of regime at the bbc or or po- i mean i know yeah. that would have been the time uh john major arrived wouldn't it in 92 mm-hmm. right so it's, i don't know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating isn't it it's 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 mm. what what suddenly makes something you know oh no no one's watching that take it away kind of thing but because um I mean, the story is that only fools and horses couldn't couldn't find a viewer for the first two years. No, I know. I, I, I remember that. It wasn't particularly popular. And then suddenly, well, I mean, now it's the it much-loved classic. Yeah, I kind of felt that it, it ran too long. Mm-hmm. I, well, again, That's it was one of those shows personally. that uh, it, the revival tended to actually to undermine the original in many ways i think it, sometimes mm. a show finishes at exactly the right moment but then somebody comes along and goes should we do that again and you go oh guaranteed oh viewing guarantee anything <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know sometimes the magic just doesn't come back does it yeah no no so um what else have i got on the list here i'm, I'm trying to as i say i'm picking out ones i particularly this remember or favorites oh here's one i i really enjoyed again another only three series 20 mm. episodes chef with lenny henry right i don't know if you know that one so, oh the over oh, the gordon ramsay story no <laughs> Uh, sort of, yeah. Yes, I don't think I was a particular watcher of Chef, to be fair. It, but uh, well, I, I, I'm I aware re- of it. I seem to remember enjoying it, mm. but I wonder if it's one of those that, uh, if I watched it again, I would be probably cringing, or yeah. whether I'd be going, "Oh, actually, yeah, this this still stands up." Did but you tune in for recall. recipe tips, perhaps? Well, I think I was interested in cooking and food, mm. and that's what got me into it. And, you know, it was Lenny Henry mm. doing a sitcom, and I thought, oh, this could be interesting. And I, th- I, I do recall quite enjoying that mm. at the time. But, I, again, I've not seen it since, no. so I don't know how well it, it, it sort of, um, you know, how well it travels still. Mm. Well, I, I think things that have kind of been forgotten about, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I know we've got more access to it over here, but things like BritBox are starting to to. People are finding these things. The, mm. the, the strange thing about streaming services generally is that on one level, you have to have a lot of them to get all the things you might want to see. And, you know, if you, yeah. and you, so people have to pick and choose. They say, well, do I want Disney Channel or do I want Netflix or do I want mm-hmm. Britbox or do I want, you know, they, they have to make choices because you, well, I mean, okay, some yeah. people will have them all, but not everybody will want to do that. But I think, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that Netflix. Has a, seems to have a very specific target audience. So something like that just wouldn't turn up on that. But then if no. you are a person who tunes into BritBox, you might go and, and they'll say, oh, well, if you like this, maybe you'll like Chef. And, and suddenly a show like mm-hmm. Chef will redisco- be rediscovered by another generation. And you'll go, this is great. Why didn't they make more? Well, well why can, you know, I can watch Mulberry. I don't know if you can watch Mulberry on it, to be honest. But, no, you, you, but, you can't. Um, but, you know... If if they do decide finally to put it on there, you know, or, or it'll mm-hmm. probably turn up on a network DVD in about two years' time, because the obscurity seems to be their thing. But that's good. I like that. But that's fair enough. But um, mm-hmm. you know, these things do get rediscovered, and strangely, sometimes can become more popular in that environment than they ever were as just broadcast shows. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, have you got yeah, Waiting yeah. for God on your list? That's the next one I was just about to say. Really? Waiting for God. 
which um, again I've been rewatching on Britbox recently. Um, two absolute uh, acting giants, I feel. Oh yeah, Graham Crowley, uh, I, I adore. It's still and Stephanie Cole, I still adore funny. and everything. Yeah, absolutely, and still incredibly poignant mm. to today. I mean, it's like time has not moved on. Everything you know, all the the, the issues that they are combating or fighting or, or protesting mm. against throughout Waiting for God mm. and the difficulties of aging and defying aging, as uh, feel like they're just as prominent today as they were when this was made back in the early nineties. Mm. It's like some things haven't I moved feel on. Like certainly, Graham Crowden was kind of uh, almost born for that role really it's kind of like like yeah. his, his life had to he had to age to to be the right sort of vintage to be in that show i mean i love very peculiar practice with a passion i think that's mm. one of the finest dramas of the 80s and mm -hmm. oh yeah but, but prior to that he was a bit of a difficult actor to cast if you see what i'm saying he used yeah. to give very large yeah. performances but somehow mm -hmm. his kind his style of arch wackiness just fitted right with that show yeah i often feel when i when i'm watching that show that it, it almost feels like the show was written around him mm. his character mm. because he's sort of um uh, you know stephanie cole is is sort of one of the main characters mm. but the whole series kicks off when he comes mm. to the retirement home are you looking forward to your own retirement uh, home are you going to be a, a graham crowd absolutely not <laughs> I think Are you going to be a I'm, troublemaker, uh, Rick? I think I'm going to be more of uh, the Stephanie Cole character. <laughs> You'll go sit in corners and worry about things. Yes, the, <laughs> the angry person in the corner that tries to defy everybody. I'm beginning to think there aren't, there's nobody else in the world other than angry people in the corner these days. Wow, well, yes. Um, no, uh, retirement homes are my, my version of hell, I think. I, I think for all of us, yes, but there we go. Yeah. But uh, yes, anyway, yes. So uh, what else is on your I 90s love list? that series. The Detectives. The Detectives. Now, I think that was, didn't that start as a sketch on something? It did. It was a Jasper Carrot sketch, and right. then it ended up as five series. Crikey. George Sewell as well. For the BBC well. there. Yeah. Great series. And it Robert just shows you know, that Robert Powell was it was so good at doing comedy, mm. as well as being a serious actor. He he just was great in that somewhat absurd character role, which I I often, you know, were watching the, the you know, the... the the ridiculousness of it. Mm. it it does make me think of um i just wonder if those characters you know were inspired by the the inspector clouseau character <laughs> are, you, are you a fan of you the know, police comedy generally um not as a rule mm. i mean i've seen a number of the 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 police comedies mm. that they've done and, I, and they've never quite really worked mm. for me um they've always felt a bit sort of lame mm. if you know what i mean mm. uh, and not very successful however i did enjoy the detectives mm. Perhaps because it was meant to be that way, mm. rather than you know policemen trying to be funny. Yeah. This this was just two completely incompetent mm. detectives that just seemed to course, end up being lucky. Big big star wasn't he? A bit, a big yeah, and I, star. I, I I I was a big fan of Jasper Carrot. Mm. I've seen him live a few times mm. too, so I think that that probably helped. Was he quite heavily involved in the writing? It, he wrote the whole series. Oh, right. So yeah, and I think that's probably why it worked for me mm. so well. 
But um, looking through the list, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, being aware of timing and mm-hmm. things, uh, we, we've got, I've got, uh, I'll just run through them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Goodnight Sweetheart, oh. which uh, ran for a very long time. It did, didn't it? The uh, cast kept changing. People kept not noticing, I seem to remember. Yes, yes, I know. I think uh, he's, I think he's busy mate now, uh, advertised, is on the, on the adverts, but there we go. It always surprises me, that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 2.4 children. Ah, yes, that's it, that. That needs actually talking about a lot more. Two point four children. Maybe, maybe we'll. I'll, it, I'll drag it, it back does. and we'll go through some of these. Mm, I'd, I'd thought that one. And uh, second thoughts. Second thoughts. Crikey. Linda. Keeping up appearances. Oh. Uh, if you if you uh, recall, keeping up appearances. Keeping up appearances. Yes. Oh yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's a, another Roy Clark mm. one. He, he did seem to have pen a lot of a lot of the sitcoms. Well, of course, around throughout the nineties. Last of the Summer Wine would still have been ticking along. Still have been running along. <laughs> uh, and then there was uh, Men Behaving Badly. Ah, and another the uh, kind channel of crosser. The boys kind of uh, version. And then I kind of always felt absolutely fabulous was sort of female version yeah. uh, on similar lines. I feel actually that's a very good point to end it because I, I, in many ways Absolutely Fabulous kind of was the quintessential 90s sitcom, wasn't it? It's got, that, it feels mm. like it, it, that's it, the it 90s was. in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it does kind of sum that up. If you had to pick a favourite, uh, what would you say it was? Yes, Minister? From, uh, from when? Well, from the last two, those two decades we've talked about. That's a tough one. I think Spaced is one of my yes, of favourites. Uh, Waiting for God or uh, uh, what was the other one that we were talking about? Red Dwarf. Um, I think, well, I, I, Red... I might let you have four. <laughs> Father Ted, Red Dwarf. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and, and yes, yes, Ministers. Such riches uh, indeed. Well... <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard to to narrow them down. Yeah. I would I think I would struggle to get a top five really rather than a number one. But uh, I like them all for different reasons. Well, it's been an absolute joy again, Rick. Uh, rattling through the the eighties and nineties in sitcom land. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice to have you back. Do come back again. It's sometime. been great to be here. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. You take care. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Many thanks to Rick Lawler for once again joining me today from across several time zones to talk about his memories of 1980s and 90s sitcoms. There was an incredibly rich vein to be mined there and whilst we didn't get much chance to hang around this time, maybe sometime in the future we'll get to dig a little deeper into each and every one of them. You never know. Meanwhile, that's pretty much all we've got time for in this edition of Vision on Sound. As ever, my thanks go to everyone here at Fab Radio International for all that they do. And finally, of course, to all of you at home for listening. Once again, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.